Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast episode number 69. And that's what I did in the beginning a lot, like focusing on the mistakes of the dance. And then, of course, the rest of the night was not good because I was so focused on the mistake, on the mm-hmm. negative. But also, I also tell all my ladies, don't tell your partner you're sorry if something goes wrong because you don't know whose fault it is in that moment. And there's actually no fault mm-hmm. on the dance floor because even if you're doing a move and you're doing it wrong, the circumstance was not it's your fault or his fault, but the fault of the fact that it's too busy on the dance floor. Mm-hmm, definitely. Like some other influences are th- are also at fault of maybe a move going wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're about to run into somebody on the dance floor or mm-hmm. the leader was distracted, the followers distracted. I mean, there could be so many things that could be going on, you know, maybe there was something, a, a hole in the floor exactly. and that caused a misstep, you know. On s'est promis le pire et tu le sais, les bras Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Charles of the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast coming at you with another episode. Uh, Today is June 15th, the middle of June, and looking back on the first half of 2020 has been really really crazy and if you guys have listened to the other podcast with julia or sophie or danielle i'm kind of like getting my podcast back up and running because since we can't dance then we can at least uh, listen and have a conversation with some of the dancers that we look up to and this week we have none other and Miss Junaline on the line from Amsterdam. How are you doing, Junaline? Hi, doing well. Thank you. How's COVID life going for you? Uh, COVID life um, only changed for me maybe two weeks in terms of work, but in terms of dance, it has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely yes. not a lot of dancing happening anymore. No. Yes. Um, I've been having a few online festivals and also uh, private classes for um, follows so that we are still able to dance, but not touch. Exactly. (laughs) And that's, uh, yeah, the kiss dancing that I've been doing and separately from kiss dancing, normal dancing, I started with a twerk class, which is very liberating for mm-hmm. all women, 
um, I'm not gonna uh, post any videos. <laughs> 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 this, this is just for me feeling free, of course, mm-hmm. and um, loving the Afro vibe. So also um, notching up my Afro house level. A That's little bit. a whole another mountain to kind of get up to, man. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy how they could do like the simplest thing and just their face and their whole body is just like dripping so much swag. It's crazy. Yes. And I've been watching a lot of videos trying to put that swag into my body. <laughs> I don't know if the, the practice makes progress counts for that swag. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. Definitely, definitely been a very interesting year, but um, definitely thank you for taking some time out of your evening to have a conversation. And yeah, COVID life has been a little bit crazy. So let's uh, start off with going back in time and mm-hmm. let's have a look of when you first started dancing ever in your life. How old were you? What did you dance and things like that? Yes. Um, well, my first, and maybe it's not even my memory, it's my sister's memory, mm-hmm. but she said the first time I started dancing, I was still wearing diapers. What? And yes. <laughs> they were dancing on salsa music and I was still a baby and they said they, that I was dancing with them. Like, I think from that moment on, they already knew this lady this little lady is going to be a dancer. Nice. Because I already started moving on music. And why was it salsa dancing? And where was this? This was just in the room. And my sisters also love dancing. Um, and they were not like, I'm not sure if they like had the salsa from my father's uh, music. But back then, salsa was um, one of the easiest things for the whole family to dance to. Mm. And they were dancing in front of the mirror like every day, every day. And not only salsa, also dance hall, all kinds of music. But just they were also just having fun in front of the mirror. And I think I kind of took over that energy from them dancing in the mirror. (laughs) Nice. And uh, yeah, I think that's my first uh, memory that they've told me. And my first uh, memory for myself is, I think I was five. And I went to a dancing school here, Lucia Martas, which is a very uh, known dancing school for ballet. And uh, my mother already saw it from, you know, from I from the moment that I was uh, little that I love dancing so she put me in the dancing school and I remember that I was wearing a pink sequin dress mm-hmm. and I was dancing the on the music twist again na, 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 somewhere I, I don't even know the words anymore <laughs> it's okay <laughs> but um yeah, she put me on the on the school and I had different classes. So modern and classical ballet, tap dance, um, jazz, and uh, show dance. Mm. 
And this was also in Amsterdam. I know you're living in Amsterdam now. Were you born and raised there? Um, half in Amsterdam and half in Suriname, Paramaribo. Where is, if somebody has never heard of Suriname, where is that? It's in South America and it's, uh, it borders uh, uh, French Guyane and Brazil and a large part of the, uh, of Suriname is a part of the Amazon forest. Mm. So there's not a lot of people living there. But it's a very diverse culture because it was a colony of um, Holland. So back in the day, of course, they brought all the peoples from different countries into Suriname. And um, the flag is green, white and red with the star? Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it now on Google. Okay. <laughs> I, I've heard of Guyana and the French Guyana because I've met some people from there, uh, mm-hmm. but I haven't heard of Suriname, but it makes sense that it's South of, uh, South America. So you said it was a colony of Holland. So did they win their independence and then your family ended up moving to fully Amsterdam? Uh, yes. Um, I'm not sure exactly, uh, what the history of my parents, uh, was when they moved here and when they moved to Suriname again, Mm -hmm. uh, and when they moved back to Holland again, because we went, uh, they went up and down a lot. Mm, I gotcha. And it was, uh, I think easier to come back to Holland because, um, we speak Dutch in Suriname because it was a colony of Holland. It's mm-hmm. the only country in South America that speaks Dutch. Interesting. I didn't know that either. So this is nice to kind of expand our horizons. Yes, also. <laughs> and um, it was then easier, of course, because they still had ties with Holland to travel from Suriname to Holland. Mm-hmm. And when I was born, I was born in Amsterdam and I only moved um, to Suriname when I was 13. But from when I was born until four, I think I traveled uh, all over the world with my mother. Mm, Nice. Was it just traveling for vacation or was it for work or? For vacation. Nice. Yes. She took me everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome that you're able to see um, a different continents growing up, you know. Uh, I didn't start flying until I was like in my late 20s, early 30s with Kizomba. And that's when I really started to see Europe for the first time and things like that. So I think it's really awesome when you're able to uh, expose the kids to different cultures and languages and things like that from uh, from an early age, you know. Yeah. I unfortunately don't remember any of the traveling because mm. <laughs> I was too young, but uh, like vaguely remember going to China and of course Suriname. And I think those two only sticked in my head. There's mm. probably more, but I don't have my old passport. Anymore. I got you. <laughs> my last question about Suriname, because I'm a little curious being in South America, was there any Spanish or being so close to Brazil? Was there any Portuguese being spoken in the country? No. Um, at school, you were taught in um, Dutch. And uh, on the street, the, there's already a slang um, or actually like the Surinamese mm-hmm. language. 
So those were the two big ones in um, in Suriname. And all, also because there is a big diversity in culture, like the Chinese, Indians, um, Javanese, like uh, somewhat Indonesian, mm-hmm. Indonesian part, they already spoke their own language coming into Suriname. So those languages are also were a little bit bigger than uh, neighboring countries. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And, yeah. And for Spanish, the only Spanish that the people got there is either through school or through TV, the television. Because mm. um, the satellite picks up the Spanish the radio stations yeah. and the yeah. TV stations. Yes. Very interesting. Okay, so that was a tangent on Suriname. So going back to your ballet classes and your modern classes, you were taking those. I think you said you were five years old and that was in Amsterdam. And you mentioned in when you were 13, you moved to Suriname? Yes. Uh, you have here uh, elementary school and then middle school and then high school. So when mm-hmm. I when it was time to go to high school, I did one year here and then we moved to Suriname. And um, I think even this week I learned from my mother. She said, I wanted you to have a connection with Suriname and high school is the time where you make friends for life. Mm. So I wanted you to have that experience in Suriname. That's why we moved there. You and this have was cool parents. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so we moved there and it was also a really, really good decision. Uh, I thought because I really made friends for life. Now they, like most of them live in Suriname, but I still have uh, daily um, conversations with them. Nice. And I, I maybe see them once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So tell us after moving to Suriname, when, when you were starting your teenage years, uh, did you still dance at all while you were there? And how long were you in Suriname before you ended up back in, in Amsterdam? Uh, yes. So in Holland, I kept dancing, um, not at the same school. Uh, at a different school because the school that I was in was a little too harsh for me, started losing hair and everything. So the strict um, teaching method uh, Mm. of of the school there was a little too strict for me. So I did another uh, dancing school, which was more free spirited, like, Oh, move like a butterfly. (laughs) (laughs) Which helped me express uh, differently, but um, it was good that I had uh, a taste of both sides. And then when I moved to Suriname, the uh, ballet classes there were also very strict. So I think I had one or two classes and then I already decided, "Mm, I don't want this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I stopped with ballet with uh and the only dancing that i did every day all my life was in front of my mirror that never stopped i got you yeah so i wasn't dancing um in any school or so and then i discovered uh, shakira on, (laughs) (laughs) on youtube and i was like 
this is what I want. This is what I need in my life. I need to move like her. I want to be her. And I immersed myself into a lot of YouTube videos um, on belly dancing or even just watching a lot of um, ladies, their show and trying to just be them. Mm -hmm. So practicing a lot in front of my mirror and that's when there was um, a school fair where I could do a performance. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, but I just signed up. Like I'm going to do a belly dance um, song from Shakira, mm -hmm. a song from Shakira, and I'm going to dance. And from that moment, which was still in high school, I think I was 15. Mm -hmm. uh, Suriname is not a big country. So, Whenever there's one big thing, it's bigger than it seems. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. everybody in the whole city is talking yeah. about it. All the country is talking about it. So there wasn't a lot of belly dancing uh, performances there. And um, because it was so popular, Shakira as well. Mm -hmm. It became very popular for people to ask like, Hey, I saw you dancing there. Can you dance here? Can you dance at my birthday party? Oh, wow. Yes. It escalated really quickly. And, um, my uh, cousin, he was, um, having his own, um, club dance mm -hmm. club. And he wanted to bring the European, club scene to Suriname, which was really not known in Suriname yet. Mm -hmm. And that was bringing go-go dancers into the scene. Do you know the go-go yes, dancers? The go-go dancers are the girls in the clubs that dance. They're not dancing with people, but they're like dancing to like bring that, I guess, ambiance. Yeah, exactly. So you want to bring that scene into Suriname and he said, I, June, I know you love dancing. What would you think about um, to dance in my club? And we would, of course, pay you. So talk it over with your parents because you're still not 18. And, actually <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, you're not allowed yet to go into the club, but it would only be dancing and you would have your bodyguard and then you would go home and I would arrange everything for you to go home safely. Mm -hmm. And, and he, his uh, sister was like my best friend. So um, we would be going out a little bit at that time because we're around 16. So we finally are getting a little bit into the scene of dancing. Mm -hmm. And of course, stayed later than we actually could at our <laughs> age. <laughs> but that's how in Suriname, my dancing and my expression um flourished mm -hmm. and it was a lot of fun and i had a lot of bookings like um working in the weekends in the restaurant and then at night i would go dance at the club or perform at a wedding so much fun i didn't know i like now that i'm thinking of it I'm having even more appreciation for that time. <laughs> mm, I didn't know any of this. This is this is why it's so awesome for me to do these podcasts with people because I can take all the classes from you at festivals, but you're never going to sit down and like talk about your childhood in this way, you know? So it's literally like having a cup of coffee and then getting yeah. to know about your upbringing. And now 
then I think about seeing your videos, like the first time I see your videos and it definitely had that element um, of belly dance and things like that. It's like, oh, this makes perfect sense. This is why her style is kind of like the way uh, it comes through, you know? So that's really awesome to get a, a piece of your, of your history, you know? Yes, indeed. So that's all always um, what I also tell in my classes is if they see me doing a body roll, I don't think anybody told me in Kizomba that you can do a body roll. Mm. But for me, it felt natural to do a certain body roll during certain movements because that's just the way that I express myself. Mm-hmm. And um, for all the ladies that, that are asking, yeah, but um, how to do the body roll into Kizomba, which there is, of course, a technique to it, but there's no rule that you should use it at a certain moment. Yeah, for sure. I think the yeah. most common thing is the is the opposing opposite body roll in Tarasho, you know, like when they separate away from each other mm-hmm. and go down and then they bring it back up again. That seems to be the most common body roll I see um, yes. on the social dance floor, at least. Yeah, the same for me. That's what I see the most, indeed. It's a a very, very sexy move. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, you're in Suriname and you become the Shira Shakira of Suriname. (laughs) And you're getting bookings and you're dancing at the Go-Go Club and all that kind of stuff. So uh, what is the next step after that? And was, I guess... I'm curious because I know like obviously you had to learn how to partner dance. So Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if Kizomba was your first partner dance or did you do any other partner dancing before? No, Kizomba was my first partner dance. And when I came to Holland, I think I didn't dance for four years. No go-go dancing, maybe one belly dancing from a person that moved from Suriname to Holland that knew (laughs) my Mm -hmm. fate. But um, here I immediately also noticed that in go-go dancing, the ladies were, uh, were wearing less clothes than <laughs> in <Surinam. laughs> And uh, at that time, I had a boyfriend. And mm. he, even though he's, he said, uh, if you want to do it, you can do it. But I still didn't feel comfortable showing that much. On the, on the stage, but I still have a lot of admiration for the girls that do do it. Just it didn't fit my personal view of myself. Mm-hmm. And what was the reason for moving back to Amsterdam and how old were you then? I think I was 20 okay. when I moved back here, maybe 21. Um, and that's because um, I had a Dutch passport, so I was able to study here without complications. And mm, there was so a more diverse um, choice of studies that I could choose from. Mm-hmm, that makes sense. Yes. And initially, I wanted to do design school because I always loved being creative. But I was too late with the with graduating in Suriname because the time was different. Mm. And because I was too late, I already said, I still want to go to Holland because, and my boyfriend is here and all my friends are here. I don't want to stay in Suriname for another year. I'm just going there and I'll choose a study when I'm here. Mm -hmm. And I studied um, 
maybe for like less than a half year mm-hmm. um, English culture and language because I was always interested in speaking in English, talking, dreaming in English, everything <laughs> in English and not in Dutch. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do that study, but also noticed very soon that it wasn't for me. And then I switched to international business and management, which the study was given in English um, speaking and writing. So that satisfied me in a in a sense and that I could travel during my minor, during my internship and uh, doing an exchange. So I would have three opportunities during the study to travel abroad. That's awesome. And, and then, when, then I was hooked. I'm like, yes, this is what I want. <laughs> okay, so you're studying uh, in Amsterdam and mm-hmm. you're also, I guess, getting to travel there as well. So how does uh, Kizomba come into the mix? So I saw a video on YouTube of Tony Pirata. <laughs> and, <laughs> and who? And Sherazad. I knew and, you were going to say Sherazad. <laughs> <laughs> and her hips were just mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. And again, the same thought popped into my head when I saw Shakira. And I'm like... I want to learn this. I want to do this. So I watched a lot of videos online and I couldn't figure out the count. Mm, <laughs> definitely. I couldn't figure out when they they would stop or when they would start or I couldn't find any pattern. in. Mm, definitely. So I said, okay, I just, I think I have to go to class for this, but I also saw that it was a partner dance and it was quite intimate or not. It was not intimate in the sense of uh, sensual, but just very close together intimate. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's different kinds of intimacy. You know, there's uh, emotional intimacy, there's physical intimacy, there's uh, sexual intimacy. So uh, this is definitely like closing the, the, um, physical barrier yeah and if you're only used to getting that way with your romantic partner then it can definitely be um a little it it can cause some hesitation yeah Um, going back to uh sherzad really quickly was this the video where they were dancing at uh africa dance art um i don't know i know she was wearing blue pants and a red shirt Mm -hmm. yes and Everything was so swingy and moving. Yeah. I was I was sold. I'm gonna find this video and put it in the show notes so people can know who it is because I feel like if maybe if you started Kizomba within the last year or two, you have no idea who Sherazad is. Yeah. Um, but she was. This is like before Sarah Lopez. So you know, yeah. it's it's crazy because I had like a history class. Um, at my festival, I had a fundamentals track and part of the fundamentals track was a Q&A. And some people, and it makes sense, they didn't know who Albir was, they didn't know who Sarah Lopez was and things like that. But I mean, obviously, if this is like, hey, I just learned about this six months ago, you're not going to get like a manual on the history of kids. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so this is like even before Sarah Lopez, I feel, uh, with Sherazad, who is in France, and she was just a really awesome follow. I'm not sure if she had an official partnership or not, but 
when I first started, she was like the one that was traveling around uh, to give lady styling classes and things like that. But mm -hmm. I'm not sure where she is now, but I've seen videos of her with uh, DJ Zykes and uh, Curtis and also with Tony Pirata. Indeed. Um, but yes, that was a little bit of Kizomba history lesson. I'll find some videos of Sherazad and put that in the show notes just so you have that context. I think somebody needs to do like a timeline or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but going back to your story, Junaline, um, you saw Sherazad and Tony Pinata. You decided to go take a class and you saw that it was a little bit intimate. So, um, no, it took me, I think it took me one and a half year before I made the decision to really? go. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I, at first I tried to do it myself. Mm -hmm. YouTube videos, which was not helpful because there were no tutorials. Mm -hmm. There were only uh, shows of dancing. And when I found a tutorial, it was like very basic, mm -hmm. which I still couldn't find out like, but how from the tutorial. And then I saw um albir and sara lopez and mm -hmm. i saw her i'm like no now i really have to go <laughs> <laughs> yes and it was all all the ladies hips they they drew me to this dance nice and um that's when i started dancing um here at the um, brasa Suk. it's mm -hmm. called brasa because they also taught sub classes and uh, brazilian samba and different types of classes mm -hmm. and then I think it took me another half year because I already found the school I said I'm gonna go I'm gonna go and I didn't go until my aunt said okay we're gonna go but we're only gonna go if we're going to a party in the weekend so I can dance salsa and you're coming with me <laughs> mm. this sounds so like a party that Danielle went to she said um it wasn't her aunt but her mom she's like hey we're going to go, we're going to dance salsa and you can sit and wait for us for a little bit and then we'll go home or something like that. And that's how she got exposed to partner dancing. So yes. it's interesting <laughs> to see the, the similarity. Yes, exactly. So my aunt dragged me to this uh, salsa party, which also had kizamba and um, the music I was already, was already playing in my head or, like I recognize it from somewhere, but it was already this music, ghetto Zouk music mm -hmm. was playing in Suriname back in the day. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know there was, this was just my dad's music mm -hmm. on the background. I didn't know there was a dance to it. And then I heard um, a song. I don't remember the song. It would be so good if I remembered the song, but I don't remember. I'm sorry. Do you <laughs> remember the artist? Yeah, I don't. But I remember that I will, I will find it. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I remember that the song that they were playing at the party was one of the songs that I was listening to in my dad's car. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and, and I saw the people dancing to it. And I'm like, oh, there's a, this is, this is, <laughs> This this is this is it. This is the the sign that I needed to go and take the class. So I think maybe a week after we went to class, which was so much fun. And then I had to go onto the dance floor. Mm -hmm. 
that was that was an experience <laughs> a good experience a bad experience um in hindsight it's a good experience but at that point it was a bad experience but now i can talk about it so it it makes it good mm-hmm. but i came in there and i think i we had like eight classes so mm-hmm. it was one like kizomba one and then you have kizomba two three four level mm-hmm. up but i had one level and then i went to the party and i was terrified so i stand in the corner supposedly waiting for a, for somebody to ask me to dance and i went with my aunt and she went to the salsa room and she comes back to the kizomba room and she said she said oh i had such an amazing dance did you dance already and i'm like no not yet mm-hmm. and she just stops a guy hey this is <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't danced yet dance with her so i dance with this guy and i think after one song he says thank you very much for the dance um, like he was mm-hmm. very nice and i didn't like i didn't feel offended because, because you I didn't thought, know mm-hmm. yeah because i didn't know so but i felt at the moment like when we were uh, when we were dancing i was doing everything wrong mm. like, they no i don't know this i don't know this what do i have to do here what 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 and i think he saw it on my face <laughs> that i was thinking huh what mm? and then i think i didn't dance with anybody else and my aunt was also a person that wanted to go home early so she said oh i had i had five dances it was great are you ready to go or do you want to dance a little bit? i'm like no i'm ready to go let's go let's go so we went home and i'm like thinking in my head but wait i've had eight weeks of classes and i still don't know how to dance which was very uncommon for me because i pick up dance very fast mm-hmm. and now it was eight weeks in the game and i still didn't know anything that's how i felt yeah so there was now level two and um I already saw online that there was Lady Styling by Sherazad and Sara Lopez. So I saw that there was Lady Styling on the schedule of my school and I'm like, "Yes, this is what I need. They're going to tell me how to move my hips and tell me how to follow probably." Mm-hmm. But uh the class was mainly focused on the styling, so it was not about uh following. So now I know the styling and I think okay now I can dance again go on to the dance floor and everything went wrong again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was a kind of um chipping away a little bit at my confidence in dancing <laughs> at the beginning because I just felt like I don't know what I'm doing. In the classes that you yeah. remember were you just following a pattern? yes mostly mm. so um then one time they had um helpers how, how do you say that in or assistants assistants and they the, those were guys that were a little bit um like maybe two levels higher than the people that are in the class nice and this assistant was dancing with me and i thought i know this pattern so i do the pattern and he says like uh oh and i'm like and i'm like am i doing it wrong he's like but you're not waiting you're you're just doing the steps 
but you need to follow. And that's what I've heard at the, the beginning all the time. You need to follow. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that you need to follow. But there was no um, technique yet in following um, a little bit better and better every time. Um, but what they did learn us is a really good weight transfer. Mm. And I wasn't aware at that time yet that my weight transfer should be exactly the same as my partner's mm. weight transfer for us to dance together, connect together. And also I wasn't still not yet ready to connect with people on that level. I think my mind wasn't still, wasn't there. So then um, my friend in class she said, we're having a training with um, guys from another school and they're uh, better, they're at a higher level. Do you want to come? And I'm like, yes, let's do it. And that's when uh, we did a training with Lloyd and his former partner. Mm -hmm. And he was the teacher. And he was doing a whole different style. Mm. Then it was called the French style. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And it was a a different way of teaching and a different way of dancing. The patterns were kind of like the same, but the feeling was totally different. The leading was different. And um, I still felt like I was doing everything wrong, but I felt, oh, this is different. The music was the biggest thing that was very different. And I also um, liked both, still love both types of music. But in class, it was really um, more ghetto suit music. Mm-hmm. And uh, with uh, Dancing with Lloyd, there was new instruments in, in the music, which you could express to. So I was immediately triggered, like, what is this? I want to learn more. Mm-hmm. And maybe he saw the spark in my eye. But <laughs> <laughs> he asked me if I was interested in um, um, teaching with him um, in his class in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And he said, I see potential in you. And I think you would maybe like it to teach with me. I'm like, I know he's on level two right now and I'm still doing everything wrong on the dance floor. And I haven't gone to a party in, I don't know how long, but because I was afraid again, mm-hmm. to go to a party and again, do everything wrong, wrong, yeah, wrong. Definitely. So um, he said, it's okay. We will train on it. No worries. So he kind of took me under his wing to teach me a lot of um, feeling moments for myself and just my own weight transfer or being more aware of my own weight transfer. So was Mode Zero already in existence when this happened? Was it like under the Neo? The I'm sorry, I'm saying Neo. Was it under Mode Zero already or did Mode Zero become a thing later on? Mozero became a thing later on, but not like um, a year after. It that also escalated a little bit quicker. Mm. So that's when um, he told me like um, 
I have two other people um, that I'm teaching with and I have um, another partner that um, is going to be in a group and we want to expand. And he gave me his whole idea about um, teacher and taxi mm-hmm. and because he traveled before uh, that he already traveled to France and every everywhere. So he kind of brought a little bit of the scene from the rest of Europe into Holland. Mm-hmm. So it was then when Mozero was created and it grew very fast and bigger and bigger. And now it's really big. Nice. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's when we were like a alliance of teachers that were also taxi dancing because we wanted to grow the community. Mm-hmm, for sure. And if you're not dancing with the people, then they're not going to be able to stay long enough to get better, you know? Yes. And that's also when I um, explored my own um, lady styling or my own movements. And I started um, doing projects for myself, just creative projects for myself and uploaded videos. Mm -hmm. I thought we would get maybe a few views of the people of Mode Zero and then that exploded also also very fast mm-hmm. and that was uh, that was the start of my lady styling career <laughs> that's awesome so it's awesome to hear that you didn't give up after you had not the best experiences learning how to follow um, but mm-hmm. obviously like i feel like follows listening to this right now uh, will resonate with your story because obviously like following is not an easy skill and you just can't tell somebody to, Oh, wait and and follow me because there's so many um, micro details that you have to pay attention to. And sometimes you just don't have the mental capacity to be aware of yourself and of your partner and of the music all at the same time, you know? So it takes some time to kind of build that, uh, into your flow and find your confidence in the way that you step and, and then also being exposed to, um, uh, decent lead as well, because if you're dancing with beginners all the time, they're not going to have the best technique of mm-hmm. leading certain things. So maybe you pick up on some bad habits and things like that. And there's just so many, um, there's so many, uh, nuances that you have to be exposed to, you know? Um, or talk, but somebody really has to take you under their wing to um, be exposed to those things step by step. Yes, like uh, go at that at that moment when I was training with Lloyd, I was training so much and it didn't go to any party. So the only lead that I knew was from Lloyd, mm-hmm. and of course, not everybody has Lloyd's style. Mm-hmm. So. He said, you know, June, we're teaching now, so people need to see your face. So we're going to a party in Amsterdam. And so you can show your face and people can <laughs> do. And then they will be um, more prone to come to classes as well. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, but uh, I just want to let you know that um, I don't think it's going to go well because the last two times that I went didn't go well at all. Mm-hmm. So I went to the, to the party and he said, you should dance with him. So he 
I think one of his friends and I danced with him and it went okay. It was not great. <laughs> it was not good. It was, it was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, because I was also training that and lady styling, I was pouring too much lady styling into mm. the dance. So the people that I danced with, like some of them, I think appreciated that I took, took my freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe some of them were like, no, 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 you're not so <laughs> <laughs> this, this, no, 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 no. And of course, um, I was still training with uh, the group that asked me to join Lloyd's class. Mm-hmm. Uh, still training um, with Virgil, which I met at uh, Amsterdam Kizomba Festival, which was my first festival. Mm-hmm. And um, they were also giving me feedback, like um, Junaline, the, the lady styling, it's nice, but when you're dancing together, it kind of takes over. <laughs> so I was getting also good feedback about that. So it was a process about like exploring myself and expressing myself and then toning it down again and then expressing it again and then toning it down again. Definitely. Yeah. But it's not something that was like today I'm going to be dancing Kizomba and then tomorrow I'm going to (laughs) teach. For sure. And This is, I think you bring up a really valid point because you're figuring these things out on your own. And and luckily you had the leads uh, that were able to give you that feedback of uh, the styling. But I also feel like the last four years, like from the time of Sarah Lopez to the, the, the style that we have now before COVID, like now I feel like it's a lot more common to have a conversation with your follow and lady styling is more of a thing. Um, yeah. I feel like at the beginning or not at the beginning, but maybe four years ago, um, it wasn't really common to give space to your follow to allow her to express, you know, um, that concept was kind of foreign. And now since we've had so many strong follows like you and Sophie and Sarah Lopez and, and many others, uh, that are Adeline definitely, um, that have a voice. And now it's just taking the time for the leader to also appreciate that this person is another human being that has her own interpretation and voice and giving uh, them space to also participate in the, in the conversation of the dance, you know? True. That is true. So much has changed since then. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. That's another reason why I like these podcasts because it's almost like a little time capsule where we can talk about what's the the time like now. And then we can listen to it like a year later and be like, Oh yeah, that was a thing. And this was a thing and all that kind of stuff, you know? So it's very interesting. Um, so for this next part of the podcast, um, I think your struggle, um, with, learning how to follow and learning how to style. I think a lot of followers are still uh, having those struggles. And I was able to talk to Danielle about it and talk to Sophie about it and other follows as well. And, and I feel like some follows get confused on, Hey, the leader gave me some space. Do I have to style right now? Like, is it a requirement, you know? 
And then, so this is now a choice of like, oh, the leader gave me space. And now what do I do with this space? Because at that moment in time, you freeze. She has a moment. She has a choice to style or not to style, you know, versus like on the flip side, maybe she wants to style and the leader is not giving her an opportunity at all. So now she has to kind of be proactive to kind of like be a little bit more forward to like let her voice be heard in the dance, you know? And then at what point does the leader try to be empathetic to listen to her and see that she's trying to say something, you know, versus Mm -hmm. maybe having a dance and maybe she doesn't want to speak up because maybe it's Sunday at a festival and she's tired. Her feet are hurting. It's a really nice song and she doesn't want to do anything, you know? So, um, the, there's so much nuances in, in the dance. And I think it, it, it really is like a conversation without words. So we're trying to interpret uh, what our leader wants from us and how they're experiencing the dance, but we're not saying anything. Maybe we say something after the dance and we get a chance to kind of catch up and talk about the experience. Um, but for the most part, obviously you don't talk with every single person that you danced with at the social, you know? Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm curious uh, what you have um, as far as your experience and just advice for finding that balance between styling versus following and from your struggles that you had in your journey, uh, what would you say now? Yes. So um, I think with my struggles in the beginning, I wasn't able to um differentiate my leads so for me everything was the same all lead is the same mm. not the case sometimes a lead is soft sometimes a lead is strong sometimes a lead is open sometimes a lead is closed and that is one thing that um that i had to discover um, on the dance floor, not in class. Mm-hmm. In Would class, you say, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. Let me know. I was going to say those characteristics that you said about the lead are mm-hmm. really awesome. And I would even say like it could, the, the leaders, um, uh, vibe can change from song to song and from day to day, you know, it's not like, Oh, this lead is always soft and this lead is always strong. Sometimes that's the case. But I know like for me, like if I think of some songs that makes me feel like dreamy on a cloud and then I hear some other songs and it makes me feel like like I'm a monster and like I, I have <laughs> more energy going through, you know. So sometimes the song can influence the, the energy that comes out of you, you know. Yes, that's true. That's that that is the whole truth, actually. <laughs> <laughs> because. um if you go dancing, you first getting get inspired by the music that is being played. So that is also a reason why there is like a little bit of a dance culture in each country mm-hmm. because of the music that is being played. If there is being a lot of um, kizomba music, kizomba teachers, and you go as an urban follower to a kizomba party and you're not able to connect 
is maybe because the dance culture you come from is a little bit different than when where you're going to. That's another huge aspect as well. Like, where are you dancing and who are yes. the influencers in that community? Yes. So that's why um, I have this one class. I have many different names for it. Follow with style, the four elements, um, body expression. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like explaining how you feel and how the partner feels to connect together and dance together instead of having um, mismatching energies. Mm-hmm. So it's not about the styling, but about how you're feeling and what you want to express at the moment. And um, the same I had in the beginning um, on the dance floor is that I was being taught a move in class and not being able to execute it on the dance floor. Mm. This was one of my biggest struggles on the dance floor, like learning a move and then not being able to do it on the dance floor because I didn't know how it would feel as a lead to do it. And it was focused on a step. And sometimes I didn't get enough space. The lead was too strong. So I, I couldn't move my body Mm -hmm. or the lead was so open that I didn't know that I was doing the, the step that he wanted to do and then being too late to execute the styling to it. I got you. Yeah. So I have this uh, four elements, water, fire, earth, air. And these are just four perspectives into the dance. And if the leader feels like he's in a more flowing mood, then I also dance in a more flowing mood. If he's dancing like a monster, then I try to bring <laughs> the monster out of me <laughs> I, I mean, sometimes like with some of the Tata Show songs or maybe a good Urban Kiss song and it's like a hundred beats per minute, but yeah. you just, I don't you get, you get all the adrenaline going and you get excited, you know? Yes, indeed. So, um, it was tapping into different types of music first because my class also evolved. It's not the same class that I taught at the beginning mm-hmm. of my um, career because at the beginning, I didn't know that there was um, a weight transfer that would fit my feeling. I didn't know that there was a song that would fit my feeling. Mm. First, I was just focused on dancing, doing the steps, adding the styling. And then when I created the program, I felt like this song makes me feel like water. So I want to be water in every way. Mm -hmm. But then when I felt like water, sometimes my partner didn't feel like water. The song didn't feel like water. So Mm -hmm. it wouldn't match with any of the points but if you even if you match only with your partner that would make difference so of course styling when you're dancing alone you match yourself with the song but when you're dancing together i'm trying to match with my partner and i think that is um one of the things that followers have to become sensitive to like 
because it's still it's still a lead and a follow Mm -hmm. so even though i have my own voice i have my own styling i have my own style i still try to match the style of my partner and not everything fits and it's okay on the social dance floor that it doesn't fit yes for sure Mm -hmm. because it's a social dance it's not uh, it needs to be perfect dance but as soon as i notice on the dance floor okay this doesn't work i leave it out and i try something else definitely there's also the the point when you are asking yourself is this my window to do something or is the Mm -hmm. window when or do i can i create a window definitely Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or, or is this like okay no windows allowed yes so that part of if you're asking is this a window then probably that it is a window if you're asking yourself um okay i think i think there's there's no space for a window then focus on following the um the leader by matching your energy not focusing on the window Mm -hmm. because you can have different training focusing on when you can add styling focusing on following and if you are not aware of when can i add then i think you should go back a little bit on follow Mm -hmm, definitely And, and focus a little bit on that because if you focus too much on okay is this the window is this the window then of course a lot of things will go wrong but when you focus on following it gets better and better when i heard you say that just that last point of like is this the window is this the window is this the window it's almost like you're more future focused than in the present moment focused you know and obviously like knowing the song and the musicality and what's upcoming can definitely help you but it's kind of like i guess being in the present moment and seeing what may happen in the future, which is kind of like a mental exercise in itself, you know, like you want to be open to possibilities that may arise, but if they don't arise, then you keep flowing in the, in the present moment, you know? Yes. I think, um, another aspect to tag on to what you were saying as well, which is definitely the case as well. Um, with, listening to the lead, matching the energy of the lead. I will say from my perspective as a, as a crazy creative lead as well. Um, sometimes you don't know what you're trying to do. You know, sometimes it's like, Hey, I've never tried a leg push with my foot in this direction. So let's try it out and see. And so, but the follower doesn't know that I'm exploring. So maybe I feel like sometimes follows feel like the leader has 100% everything figured out and knows exactly what he wants all the time. And that's not the case. Sometimes it's a question mark. Let's see what happens if I give her space for a turn here and see what she's going to do. And so maybe there was, because of that, there was a miscommunication, but that doesn't mean that it was her fault or that she did something wrong. And I always tell the followers, like, don't be so quick to apologize for mis- missteps because yeah. you don't know what's going on in the leader's head of what he was trying to do. Or maybe like, nope, I'm sorry that I didn't have my weight in the right foot. That was my butt, my fault. You know, like how mm-hmm. often does that conversation happen? You know, 
So I find follow sometimes take on too much stress because they don't want to do something wrong. But on the social dance floor, it's all improvised. So you're trying to communicate with that word. So that of course, there's going to be hiccups and missteps and things like that. And I feel like once you get to a higher level, you just get used to, you mess up so much that you know how to style your mess ups, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so now it's just like, okay, if I make a mistake, it's okay because I know how to bounce back from those mistakes and you keep the dance going, you know, versus like feeling or letting the mistake uh, dictate the rest of the dance. It's like, oh man, I messed up that, that one point in the music, you know? And that's what I did in the beginning a lot, like focusing on the mistakes of the dance. And then, of course, the rest of the night was not good because I was so focused on the mistake, on mm-hmm. the negative. But also, I also tell all my ladies, don't tell your partner you're sorry if something goes wrong because you don't know whose fault it is in that moment. And there's actually no fault mm-hmm. on the social dance floor. because. Even if you're doing a move and you're doing it wrong, the circumstance was not it's your fault or his fault, but the fault of the fact that it's too busy on the dance floor. Mm-hmm, definitely. Like some other influences are, the, are also at fault of maybe a move going wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're about to run into somebody on the dance floor or mm-hmm. the leader was distracted, the followers distracted. I mean, there could be so many things that could be going on, you know, maybe there was something, a a hole in the floor and that caused a misstep, you know? So there are so many things that could go wrong. The only reason you should say sorry to your partners when you're hurting them. Mm -hmm. So I also tell them whenever something goes wrong for me as well, I breathe in And I push my shoulders back so I go back into the normal posture because I've seen it so much with so many ladies. Whenever something goes wrong, they go into a sorry posture. Mm. So your sternum goes inside Mm -hmm. and your shoulders go to the front and then you lose your posture, which makes it even more difficult for the next... Yeah, to communicate with your partner. And then there will be more moments that you will miss maybe because you're in a, in a sorry position. Whereas if you, if something went wrong and you breathe in and shoulders back and while you breathe out, you reach your shoulders back and you say, you just laugh mm-hmm. <laughs> because something went wrong. It changes the energy like immediately. It does. So, if, if I have like one big advice for all the ladies when something goes wrong on the dance floor, breathe in, shoulders back and laugh. Mm-hmm. And, just- and smile, even smiling between your partners. And I'm guilty of this as well. Sometimes I'm so in my head because I'm a technical guy. I'm like thinking like, ooh, what are all the possibilities that I can go through? And I like exploring those things. But sometimes I forget to just look at my follow and smile, you know, yeah. and let them know like, hey, everything's okay. We're enjoying the moment and things like that, you know. Yes, true. Smile a lot at each other. It's for mm-hmm. free. <laughs> and hearing you speak as well also inspired me to, to think about that the leader can also be empathetic towards the follow as well and also receive inspiration from the follow as well. You know, uh, I think maybe in a more quote unquote, uh, maybe black and white 
respect of the lead and the follow, you would think, okay, this is the leader, the follower has to follow the leader and things like that. But once you get to higher levels and you have more uh, capabilities of body movement and expression and musicality and picking up on these nuances, I've definitely gotten inspired from my follow because like, ooh, she's moving to that one element in the song. Okay, let's play around with that one uh, element when it comes back again later on in the song or something like that, you know? So it's definitely a two-way street of inspiration uh, between the lead and the follower that can happen. It doesn't just have to be a one-way street of of communication, like lead to follow and that's it. Um, I feel the lead definitely should listen to the follow, follow him and see like, hey, um, maybe this one move she doesn't like that much or maybe I shouldn't try to do this or maybe like it could be something she's in a skirt so I'm not going to do any leg lifts or anything like that, you know? So she doesn't have yeah. to worry about those kind of things. So there's, there's all these nuances that you're trying to adapt to. And if the follower is trying to adapt to the lead, the leader's trying to adapt to the follow, then you kind of meet in the middle. And now it's more of a conversation and a mix of the both styles versus just one dominant style, you know? Um, and now we have lots of guys that are starting to follow. And so now I've, I know some of my friends will switch in the middle of the dance. I'm like, okay, now you lead me. And now the dynamic has changed. And so it's the possibilities are, are endless. Yes, a lot of ambi dancers are coming out in this dancing and I love it because as what you said, um, exchanging the energy of lead and follow is also very interesting. Mm-hmm. And with, uh, with that in mind, a lead becomes more open to a follower and a follower becomes more open to the lead if, mm-hmm. if you're you know exchanging roles also when um i started uh, dancing with my uh, current partner virgil i noticed that he was waiting a lot on my weight transfer which was so nice mm-hmm. like i had a little bit of the say in how long i could take my weight transfer like i was experimenting as well like how long can I stretch out this weight transfer mm-hmm. for him to start dancing again? And that uh, gave us a lot of um, calmness and rest in our dance because he was open for my interpretation of timing. Mm-hmm. And the other way around, it was the same for his um, um Tension in his lead, mm. feel whether we're going slow or fast. It was a, a really good connection in listening to each other. Definitely. And, yeah. And that's also what I'm trying to explain a lot to my follows is that they can, even if they're not doing a styling, they can extend their weight transfer to see how how long the window is lasting mm-hmm, definitely i agree so th- yeah that is uh, one way um to see if a leader is open to um 
opening windows. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. And I think like, I, I love that you mentioned the fact of like the tension getting softer because like sometimes some leads to think they're like, oh, I have to impress the follow. So that means I have to lead every single step and every single cow and they're stepping, 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 stepping. And then like they're not listening to the music. And so they, they're more focused on the steps versus again, more future focus versus like present moment focused, you know? And I feel like if you do stretch out those weight transfers, it gives the time to breathe in between the steps a little bit, you know, and listen to your partner. And I love the fact that you said less tension because sometimes people think in urban kids, you need to have like this firm tension the whole time, all the time. And I don't feel like that's a nice feeling to carry for hours over hours over hours either. And yeah, there's, there's so much to, to unpack there because it really depends on the instructors and how they do and their pedagogy and what they're training the instructors to do. Having a leader that's open to the interpretation of the follower and all these kind of things, you know, so there's really so much, but, um, I really love your mindset and your, I guess, approach to the lead and the follow for sure, because uh, obviously your partner knows how talented you are and your musicality and all that kind of stuff. So it's almost like I'm not going to take over the dance. I'm going to also hear what you have to say, because this is a dance for both of us, not just me, you know? Yes, this was um, like when we first started dancing. Um, Of course, he he had an eye for my talent. Mm-hmm. I also had an, an eye for his talent and his, um, 50, 50 approach mm-hmm. in dancing, in life, in conversation on the dance floor and even during class, because of course I see a lot of other classes too, where the lady doesn't speak as much. Oh la la. That's, that's a man. I, I can get on my soapbox <laughs> and talk for a whole nother hour on that subject because it should be a 50 50 approach in the classroom as well. And even in the lesson plans, you know, so that way, like if yes. the followers are 50% of the attendees, they need to come out with just as much value as the leaders. And I feel like so often the followers feel like just puppets. And so they stop coming to class because there's really nothing. They're not getting any value from the classes. Um, but that's, that's a whole nother subject for sure. I think maybe now he's, he is uh, used to me talking a lot. Mm-hmm. So he even he sometimes even taps like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know, Oh, Oh shoot. I've been talking too long because uh-huh. In class, I get so into the technique mm-hmm. that I'm talking too long. And it's really good that I have somebody that tells me, hmm, I <laughs> because even in my lady signing classes, I talk a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, you want to share so much, but then you only have like an hour or 90 minutes at that. And mm-hmm. obviously, and you can't, you can't spend the whole class uh, talking, you know? Which is why this is, I love this platform of the podcasting again, because now we can kind of go into more details of these techniques more than what we could in a class, because I think any, any, any instructor who's really passionate about teaching can easily talk the whole class. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) There's no problem there. The problem Mm -hmm. is something. (laughs) 
So um, you mentioned Virgil. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you guys met and the partnership, because um, we talked a little bit before the podcast and I didn't know that this was your official partner. So uh, let the world know who this lucky man is. Yes, Mr. Virgil Kiz. You can find him on Facebook. Um, we met at uh, Amsterdam Kizomba Festival, which was my first festival that I ever went to. And also my first time going out alone, because before that I was so used to going to the club with all the girls together. Mm-hmm. But my friend said, I'll meet you there. And I never met somebody anywhere. I never <laughs> went out of my house alone. And this was like a big step for me. Okay, I'm just going to do this. And then when I came there, I didn't know anybody. And she wasn't there yet. Mm. I was very scared. But um, we um, we started, uh, or I was just standing on the side in the middle of the um, dance floor. So there was a dance floor and then there was a circle of people and then there was another dance floor behind the people because it was a little bit of an elevated piece and at the first level there were a lot of girls standing near me so I felt comfortable standing between the girls because I'm like I'm not alone (laughs) I'm standing between the girls Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that they were waiting for um, for uh, Virgil Mm. and he has a a taxi minded uh, I don't know how to like a, a taxi mentality yes so he would ask all the girls to dance with him he would really go by the line like okay dance dance with this one dance with this one and um there were a lot of ladies waiting for him, but I didn't know that until yesterday because we had a barbecue yesterday mm-hmm. and the guys told me like they were look, everybody's looking at each other. I didn't know people were looking <laughs> at parties at each other. I was just trying to find a dance, but they said, yeah, we saw Virgil in the corner and all the girls were waiting to dance with him. Mm. So I was the lucky lady that got asked by uh, for a dance uh, with Virgil. Mm-hmm. And before that, I already knew people from his um, crew, I would say, his taxi crew. Mm-hmm. And they were in a group called Gentle for Kizomba, which was a group of uh, guys that were also taxi dancing um, back then and training together. And I knew the other guys, so I knew that when I was going to this party, I would meet some of them and they would hopefully ask me to dance, which they did. And I was lucky that I knew the guys. So I danced with Virgil. It was a very good dance. We had a really good uh, dance connection. And then I think maybe a month after or something, because I was already known with the other guys and we were seeing each other at trainings. He asked me also for a training to dance together. And I was still working together with Lloyd and he also had a different dance partner, but together we also had good connection. So it was good for training for me to find out the different leaders. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in 2018 when uh, we 
found each other again uh, on teaching level because we were still training maybe once a month or something. And then it became a little more because we talked about um, becoming dance partners because it was so going so well within the training with the uh, other people as well. And then I said, uh, yes, we can train, but we cannot become dance partners because I still have a dance partner. Mm-hmm. And because we're all figuring it out from the start, like, okay, you don't need to have a fixed dance partner um, with training, but for teaching, I did have a fixed dance partner at that time. And I was with Mode Zero and he mm-hmm. was gentle for Kizomba. And if I would get a booking, then would it be with Mode Zero or would it be with Virgil from Gentle for Kizomba? For sure. So we decided at the beginning, okay, we're just going to train. And then uh, there was a moment when I didn't have a dance partner anymore. And he also didn't have a dance partner anymore. And he said, I would like to ask you to teach with me in Almira. And I said, yes, let's do it. But I also want Amsterdam. That is one thing that I really want because now I'm not teaching with my partner anymore. And I know this, uh, the lady that I went my first um, dance class with, Mm -hmm. she moved her studio to another place, but they weren't giving Kizomba classes anymore. Uh, I got you. Yeah. So I said, and I have this place which has really good memories for me. not that I knew this place, but the lady that was um, having this venue, she said, okay, I'm not having classes right now. So if you want, you can rent the room and you can give your classes here. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask my new dance partner if he wants to teach with me. Mm -hmm. So our dance school is called License to Kiss. And now we're in... Um, Almere and Amsterdam and we also teach in another city Lelystad mm-hmm. uh, under a different dance school but together Nice. and of course the bookings of lady styling was still coming in mm-hmm. and then there were also people that were asking but do you teach with a partner and I said yes I have a partner so they started booking us and also we started posting more videos I've content. seen the videos yeah, content is so important, which I'm still struggling with <laughs> posting. But um, because of the videos, um, more bookings came into um, our dance life. Mm-hmm. And then we said, um, because I still got uh, some questions about, hey, June, can we teach together? Which is okay for me if I'm going um, to. Uh, a festival by myself, but if there is a possibility for the organizer to book us both, then that's the goal because then I we we can share our view on leading and following and giving our secrets away instead of me only giving the follower side of our secrets. Definitely. And he is really, really good explaining the lead to people because he taught me to lead. Mm, nice. And I don't want to toot my own horn, 
but some of the ladies really enjoy dancing with me. <laughs> <laughs> the reason is not because of me, because of his teaching style. So for me, it, like when he says something, it makes sense to me. And that's what I also want to spread together because our views are the same mm-hmm. on that. No, that's awesome because we definitely mm-hmm. need uh, more partnerships on the Urban Kids side. And mm-hmm. I think it's really important to have the leader and the follower present and not just an assistant for the follower, like a real instructor who's passionate about teaching to also share the same knowledge, you know? And yeah. unfortunately, it's more common to see like uh, a male instructor with an assistant or maybe not an assistant at all, but that person even though they're doing their best and they're doing the best with what they have um, from the experience that they have, sometimes the leader doesn't give the follower any voice and maybe the follower has a different background than the leader. And and then the followers end up feeling like puppets. And I mean, we can go on for an hour, I'm sure about like the lead follow dynamics and the power dynamics uh, when a class is happening. But I feel like when you have, two instructors present teaching a class that also sets the example to respect both roles to the students. And so now when these students are on the social dance floor and things like that, it opens their mind to be gentle and to listen and and open up these concepts, you know, because they see the example from the instructors that they're looking up to, you know, that's true. That's, that's one thing as well. Also when, um, I'm being asked to teach with somebody else. I don't know what their teaching style is. Maybe mine is totally different from theirs. Mm -hmm. So much better to have a common teaching style with somebody Mm -hmm. and teach it to your students because you might clash in information or give information too much. Exactly, for sure. Because I know the teachers, but they might not match together. Definitely. And I think that's like if a person, so getting a booking, like, okay, you can have a really talented dancer, but like having a really talented instructor, those are two different skill sets. And not everybody sees that. Uh, You can have a performer, you can have a teacher, and you can have a really good social dancer. And then you can have also like marketing and promotion and all that kind of stuff. It's really important as well. That's another skill set. And the person that you're taking a class from might have different strengths across those different skills, you know, but mm-hmm. I, if a person is really passionate about teaching and they're asking for an assistant, I think they should even get together and talk about what they're going to teach. What questions are the students potentially going to ask? This is the move I'm thinking about teaching. What are you feeling as a follower? What do you think the followers need to know instead of just like, showing up to the class, you have no idea what's going to happen. And then you're trying to like decipher the leader's move and then uh, figure out what to tell the students in real time versus like already coming prepared, you know? Exactly. Come prepared. (laughs) (laughs) That that is a very, very important thing for teachers uh, when they go into a class. Because the the students rely on the information that you give. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you so many classes where like the, the instructors, you can tell like they have an assistant and they start off with one version of the move. And then towards the end of the class, it's a different move because <laughs> they didn't really 
practice and prepare to come all the way through, you know? So, but then if the students don't know any better, then like, how do they get, how do they even know what they're experiencing is not the best example of instruction, you know? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So from an organizer's perspective, like, yes, it's good to have somebody who's known and things like that as well. But then also like the values of what they're showing to the students is also super important as well, you know? Yeah. Good teachers, good performers are also really good if they're teaching how to perform. Mm-hmm. But so that's different than social dancing, yeah? Yeah. That's also different from social dancing, yes. <laughs> okay, Junalee as well. I think we're definitely over the one hour mark now, but um, <laughs> we were having really good conversations, so it's really good. And I really love hearing your history and your approach towards teaching and things like that. And um, you were telling the story of like this spark in your eye from like before you even knew what Kizomba was. And so um, it makes me happy to hear that you have a partner now. You guys are working together and things like that because I don't know, like hearing you speak like from an instructor to another instructor, you just kind of like hear that inspiration. And then I don't know, like this, this, in spirit, the spirit of instructor just kind of like takes over. And now you're not hungry. You're not thirsty. You don't need to use the restroom. You lose track of time and you just like are on that mission to, to teach and things like that. So it's, it's uh, refreshing to hear that. So hopefully uh, with the quarantine and everything like that, we'll be able to get back to in-person classes and festivals and, Mm -hmm. and things like that for sure. Um, But I will be sure to share some, um, videos of you and Virgil in the show notes of the podcast. And I wanted to kind of give this moment to you to uh, let people know how they can find out about you. And also a word of advice or some inspiration that you have for our listeners. Yes. Um, so where can you find me? You can find me on Facebook. However, I already reached the friend limit and I haven't made a personal page yet, Mm. (laughs) but I'm going to, this year is going to be the year that I'm going to have a a personal page. I always felt a little bit of, um, like that was a marketing tool and I just wanted to connect with people, but mm. I know that there's a max uh, limit on how many friends you can have on Facebook. And if you have a page, there's no limit. Correct. So uh, now you can find me on Junaline lines and also on Instagram, Junaline.lines. Mm-hmm. And on YouTube, um, I don't have my own page yet, which I share my videos because most of the videos are filmed by other people, which I let them share as well. So if you just type in YouTube Junaline, you will find some videos of me. And if you want to see me and Virgil dancing, you can follow us at June and Virgil. Yeah, I'm seeing your um, YouTube channel now. Yes. So that's where you can find uh, us and me. And for um, for some advice for you, I love the quote of uh, Confucius, which is, it doesn't matter how slow you go as long as you keep on going. Mm -hmm. Yes. So practice makes progress. And that's 
that's the essence also in Kizomba and Urban Kiss. Beautiful. Yes. Okay, Junalene, I know it's getting late on your end, so I don't want to keep you up too late. But once again, thank you so much for sharing your story. I learned things about you that I didn't even know, even though I've known about you for years, which is um, exciting. And this kind of just reaffirms of why I really love doing these podcasts, because uh, you guys are like contributing to the scene for so many years and I think it's important to like have people know about your stories and, and things like that I think it's important to kind of document that you know because the next generation will be able to listen to the podcast and yeah you can make posts on Facebook and things like that but that doesn't really have a long shelf life versus a podcast mm -hmm. or a YouTube video but even a video is just really you just dancing is not really you uh, talking about your philosophy and things like that and then somebody can see your video on Facebook or, or YouTube and say, oh, I want to take their class. But then in the class, you focus on the moves. And yeah. so you're still not hearing about the story and like the philosophy and all that kind of stuff. And even if they take a private with you, it's still not sitting down to like have a conversation. So, and obviously you can't have a conversation with all of your followers. So it's really nice to have the people listen and on this podcast format. So thank you for the wonderful show. Thank you very much for having me. I had so much fun during this conversation and it inspired again some new insights on teaching as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey. Okay,